ahead, please go ahead. Do do the the intro. Wait, I was supposed to film that. Oh, what? What are you talking about? I'm turning that paper. <laughs> Wait, I was supposed to return that in. <laughs> Wait, return it in. Okay, we're failing. Wait, I was supposed to turn it in. <laughs> This is a failure. This, this, (laughs) the intro has been an abject failure, and we're gonna move forward. That's the intro. I'm dancing. Okay. I'll dance with you. <laughs> Hi, Judisha. Hey, Brianna. How's it going? I'm eating some tomato soup because it's delicious. Oh my gosh. What a coincidence. I actually said I was going to make tomato soup tomorrow. Are you reading my mind? Yes. You found me out. I'm a supervillain. I read people's minds. Stop thinking what you're thinking. I already see it. I don't know if that's like a supervillain thing, though. Like, I feel like it's almost like twin telepathy. I don't know. Ooh, I like that. I don't know. I always call it supervillain because when I was younger, don't laugh at me. I used to be really afraid that people could read my mind and just weren't telling me. (laughs) I'm laughing. I said don't laugh. (laughs) so how are you doing doing great feeling intentional trying to talk to people the way that they want to be communicated although it's really hard sometimes just because when you get caught up in your own emotions you kind of forget those intentions Mm, that's interesting and i feel like that's a perfect segue into what we want to talk about today which is relationships And I feel like communication is such a big part of having healthy adult relationships. And I'm so excited about this topic. Like, I literally cannot wait to dive into this because I feel like as I've become an adult, the way that I've like viewed relationships has been so different. And I feel like I've had to learn all over again, like what it means to be a friend, like what it means to be a daughter, what it means to be a sister what it means to be like a spouse, a partner. Like I, I've just had to learn all the way from the beginning. And so it's funny that you say that because I feel like I can't wait to dive into all of this today. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely feel like um, our expectations of certain relationships when we were younger has definitely changed as we got older because there are certain, I want to say gray areas that we've become accustomed to. So like when you're younger, it's a lot easier to say, well, this is right and this is wrong. And there is no in between. But when you get older, you know, now there's all this context surrounding that situation that makes you reevaluate it in a way that you would have never considered when you're younger. And I do think it gets hard for us because some of us might be on that wavelength where we're thinking, okay, so let me view the context of the situation. And then there are others who never got to that point where they're still viewing it as a you know, a one-way kind of thing is either right or it's wrong. 
And I think that's where a lot of those like conflicts come in when you're in relationships with people or like just any relationship you have with someone. So let me ask you this. How do you feel the state of your relationships are right now? Like all of them? Like, do you feel like you have healthy relationships? Do you feel like they need work? Do you feel like it's a work in progress? Where are you at? I think there are some that I'm not going to go into detail about that definitely need some work. Um, Only because there are certain things from the past that I never really let go of. And um, I realize like it's it's hard for me to move forward in those relationships because I'm still thinking about, you know, two, three, four, five, six years ago. And their minds aren't even on that in their head. Like it's already moved on. We're done with that, you know? And then there are other relationships I have, you know, like my friendship with you, where I do feel like we're both in the moment right now. Like we don't have anything lingering in the past. Um, But I think a lot of that has to do with communication as well as me being able to communicate those difficult feelings I have for those specific relationships that I mentioned earlier. Ooh, I feel like that's, this is a good time to talk about our friendship story. Like, obviously, we're friends. We're doing a podcast together. But, like, how did we meet? I feel, I feel like you should tell this story. Oh, my I gosh. Like- Let me tell this story. <laughs> I feel like this is a symbol for all my friendships. <laughs> Brianna did not want to be my friend. Um, <laughs> she thought I was weird. So we were all part of this study abroad group. Um, where we went to Ireland for like a month or so. And she didn't ride with our group. She ended up taking a separate uh, plane. Um, I guess, what was the reason why you took a separate plane again? I have no clue. I think it was just a scheduling thing. Like I had genuinely- Oh yeah. Cause uh, you were probably working at that, right? Probably, but I don't even know if that was the reason why. I have no clue. She just didn't want to ride with us. <laughs> um, so yeah, Brianna took a separate plane. We met in Ireland when we all got off the planes together. Um, Cause your plane still came in around the same time. I think it was like maybe 30, 30 or 40 minutes before or later. Um, and I was like, okay, Brianna's one of the only other black people on this trip. And I'm in a whole another country. Who do I trust? Other black people. So I was like, this girl can be my <laughs> Not that I don't trust other kinds of people. It's just, I knew (laughs) that if I ever encountered certain racist situations, I need to have at least one backup. So I found all the black people on the trip, which was just three other black women. And I made them all be my friends. And I harassed Brianna. I was like, Brianna, you want to walk with us? Brianna, you want to go here? What are you doing, Brianna? Hey, what's going on, Brianna? And then remember I took all those photos of you during our tours? That was funny. <laughs> and then I posted, <laughs> do you remember those photos where you were wearing a pink coat and all of them? Yes. Oh my gosh. I actually do. And I have some of them on my Facebook page still. If you like scroll way over that. But yeah. what's funny is that like you said there were two other, there were two other black um, people on the trip, both women besides you and I, but you knew them and I knew them too. So there was a connection there. So I didn't know them. You didn't know them? No, no. <laughs> that's how fast I work. See, see, like, yeah. you see, are- I met them. See, you missed one of the meet and greets before the trip. There was like mm-hmm. a meet and greet that most of us went to. It was at some crappy Irish rush, Irish pub in the states. It wasn't good. The food was not good. I don't know why Rick chose that, but whatever. 
we met there. And so that's when I like got their names, started talking to them, but I didn't really talk to them more until we were all at the airport. So by the time you got to Ireland and we were all coming off the plane together, it looked like I was good friends with them. I just yeah, I thought that you were already knew them because I I knew um I knew Dami and uh, I didn't know Tay at the time, who's another one of our friends. Um, but you had already like when I got there, like you were you guys are already in like a little clique. Like so, I I just assumed that you knew them the whole time because I mean obviously for the listeners, we were all at the same university, so that's not like a stretch. Um, that's how we all came together on this trip because we were all in the same program. Well, most of us were in a, the same program and we were all at the same university. But no, you just were already like lock in step with them. So I just assumed that you guys were already friends at USF. No, but either way, coordinated friendship <laughs> for survival. <laughs> either way, like for the listeners, like I know it probably seems like she's joking when she says I didn't want to be her friend, but she's not. And I feel really horrible about that. <laughs> it's okay. Because I love her so much. It's okay. It, if I, It's because I came off so strong where I was like, let's do this friendship now. You did. You did. Like you were so forceful about wanting to be my friend. And like, when I look back on it, like, I'm so grateful that that was your, that, that was your position because, like, I don't think we, we definitely probably wouldn't have been friends otherwise. You were so, like, intentional, like, no, we're going to be friends. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> so I tell everybody, I'm like, you're my friend now. It is what, what it is. I was like an unwilling participant in the friendship. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know, like, when it turned, when I turned from like being an unwilling participant to like really actually loving and enjoying your company. I don't know when that shift happened, but we got maybe, back from Ireland. Maybe it was like after that first get together that I had at my apartment and I invited as many people as I could from the trip. Oh, okay. I only briefly remember that. My memory's bad. Oh, it, I, I remember you had like a birthday thing, mm-hmm. but this is, this was before that. I don't know. Either way, we get, we got back from the trip and life continued. But like, you know, we just kind of kept in touch a little and you had things and I came. And then, you know, at some point I just decided like, OK, she's not crazy. I thought that she might be. I, I still think that from time to time. Now, she's not crazy. Um, yeah. I did what I had to do. I was like, I need to make sure that I'm covered in case I go missing, in case something happens to me. I need allies. <laughs> and, you know, I've told you about my parents. My parents make me afraid of everything because they're like, if you do this, you die. And I'm like, no, I don't want to die. So now I'm like, OK, why do I get protection? So I made sure I had a group of friends, our whole little clique that was coordinated. So that's the story of our friendship. That's how it came to be. Do you do you feel like the friendships like do you feel like it's been hard to make friends after college? That's been really difficult for me. Yeah, I do. I do think it's hard because um, even my even the new friends I made after we graduated, well, after I graduated the first time, um, and I went to my grad program. That was only because I had joined an organization, so I could at least have some sort of ties to campus. Because when you're in grad school, you do not want to be on campus. Mm-hmm. You don't. You're not. You're not feeling that school spirit. Hoorah! Like you just don't <laughs> care. You go to class and you go home, and that's it. But I didn't want to be one of those people. 
So I joined an organization on campus, Black Female Development Circle, and that's how I made more friends. But then after that, once I had, once I finished all my classes and I wasn't on campus anymore, I made no new friends. Like I was like, Drake, no new friends. (laughs) No, I really had the same experience um, after undergrad. You know, I had like, I made, I feel like I made a lot of friends in undergrad. Um, but, you know, you graduate and then you like start your career and then you moved. I lived in like several places and then you just don't keep in touch at first. And and then you have to try to make friends in your new environment, you know, whether it's at your job, which is hard because, you know, you have kind of have a, a professional wall up. You don't always get a chance to to get to know your coworkers or you don't always want to get to know your coworkers at that level, especially to you know, when I graduated college and I started working, there were quite a few workplaces where I was the only and I didn't really feel comfortable like getting to know my my coworkers outside of work. Um, and there were some instances where I did. And so it definitely depended on the situation. But I did find it very, very hard to make friends after college, which is why I think I, I defaulted back to a lot of the relationships that I had in high school and college, because like it. But don't get me wrong, like I've made a lot of friends since graduating, but it's not been easy. Like I've had to be really, really intentional about it. Like yeah, when um we moved to Oklahoma, I was girl, I it felt like we were literally in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, how am I gonna meet people? I don't know how long we're gonna be here. Michael's contract was for a year, but I didn't know if it was gonna get extended I didn't know how long we were gonna be there I was like I have to figure out how to make some friends because like I cannot just like sit here all like day in and day out with the cat like yeah so I like started driving an hour to Oklahoma City because we were in Stillwater and I started driving an hour just to meet people like I went I found like meetup groups and like I found this one group of like black women and they would like go to move go to the movies and go to like restaurants and stuff and I would drive like an hour and some change just to go hang out with these people I met on the internet (laughs) like that's how desperate I was You do what you got to do because the only other alternative is to be friends with your coworkers. And that's awkward because, like, what if you accidentally say something from the coworker that you're not supposed to say? And then they snitch to like everybody else in the office. Now, now everybody in the office knows your business because your coworker wanted to be petty. Like that's dangerous. Absolutely. That's so dangerous. But when we got to Oklahoma, when we first got there, I wasn't working. I was in grad school and I wasn't, I took a little break from work. So it's not even like I had coworkers to me at the time. I didn't. So, but I completely understand that because, you know, you add, you get, you get comfortable at work sometimes and you add friends on Facebook or you add them on Instagram. And like you said, maybe you let something slip that you don't really want your job or your place of employment to know about. And, you know, and you get back to the office on Monday and everybody knows your business and you're like, how did that happen? You know? And so, yeah, there has to be a level, a wall up sometimes with your workplace colleagues that makes it not easy to have genuine friendships with them. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely agree with that. You do have to have that wall up. And, like, I'm someone that, like, always ends up making friends in the office. But, like, I do try to be just at least a little protective at first. Like, 
But then what happens is that sometimes you'll get a coworker, they'll do something crazy or say something crazy that makes you feel comfortable. And what I learned <laughs> is that it's a trap. Never fall for it. It's a trap. Okay. I learned that lesson. I don't fall for that no more. And I definitely had some crazy coworkers. Like I had one coworker. I'm not even going to say what job it was or what their name was, but we were hanging out outside of work hours. And next thing I know, this girl over here snoring coke in the bathroom. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I just, I was not, I was not expecting snorting coke in the bathroom. Like I just wasn't expecting that during our hangout. (laughs) And I, (laughs) and now you got to go back to work on Monday and act like this didn't just happen. Like, I can't just go around telling people because I don't, you know, like, I didn't do anything, but I feel guilty because, like, I was there. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, what if she try to say that I did it, too? And, yeah, they're going to, like, drug test me. But, like, that stuff comes out your system pretty fast. So they may never believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that happened to you. <laughs> yes! Like, was this your first time hanging out? Was this first one that you have, like, hung out a few times? I mean, like, we would go to lunch together, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, she might have, she may or may not have, like, a little wine on the lunch, whatever. But, you know, I was driving, so I guess it was fine. Um, but when we were hanging out, I think there was a couple times. I don't even know which one was the first time, because there were, like, two separate times that we hung out after work. One of them was for like this parade event, whatever. And then, no, it wasn't for a parade. That's a different one. No, but anyways, one of the times, um, it was just really one really long, crazy night that I thought was just gonna be a simple night at the bar. We went to some drug dealer's house. I didn't know it was a drug dealer's house till I got there. And I was like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go now. It was her friend. She kept saying, oh, my friend, my friend, I get there snorting coke in the bathroom what <laughs> I, had to go. I left and that's why I didn't, I didn't now I can't tell nobody about it because it looks bad that I was there so I was like I'm just I'll just keep take this with me to the grave I'll just never say who it was when it happened I'll just keep it with me you know that offline you have to tell me who it was <laughs> yeah I'll definitely tell you that was crazy <laughs> I feel like that's another reason why, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you can make friends at work, but I am i don't know that I'm really with it. I mean, I ha- I do have some friends who I've worked with and, like, we've maintained a friendship. But I do think it, that it wasn't until I left that workplace that I really put my defenses down and was able to really let them in as a friend. Because the whole time I'm like, yeah, I'll add you to my Facebook once I leave, you know, once I no longer work here. But yeah, I do think it's a risk that you take, but I do think you can make some good friendships at work. But that's not always an option because like the job that I work at now, I work on a very small team. It's me and my supervisor. Me and my supervisor, obviously not about to kick it after work for drinks. Yeah. So who do you make friends with, you know? And that's why I think it's really hard post high school, post college to make new friendships. I think that a lot of times you just have to try to nurture the ones that you've already had. And you also have to be really intentional about building new ones. Um, but that's why, like, girl, I'm the queen of like meeting people. I know people everywhere now because having like bounced around so much, you know, I, I learned quickly like where to go find the people who look like me, the people who I'm out, I'd be comfortable around and things like that. I'm quick to get on somebody's meetup group. I like, like here in Boston, like 
I have so many friends that I've made in Boston now. Just and I was only here a year. I, I was only here a year, but you you get good at learning how to make friendships because it, it gets lonely otherwise. You know what I mean? You want somebody yeah. to go to brunch with, somebody to get drinks with every now and again. Uh, somebody to split that uber with of course (laughs) and also somebody to show you around because when you get to a new place you're wondering where's the good food at where can I get my eyebrows done at you know what I mean like yeah those things and who who are you gonna ask like you have to make friends yeah I do and I don't know if you have this experience too but meeting friends that are your age is kind of hard Mm -hmm. um it's either they're they're way older than you or they're way younger than you. It's Girl. never like the same age as you. Every single friend that I have made post-college has been significantly older than me. I don't know nobody my age. If I know you, you're my age just because we went to school together. Other than that, every, mm-hmm. they are so much older than me. I never make friends my age. I don't, yep. I'm never, I never encounter other people that are 23, 24, 25, like it just does not happen to me. Everybody is 30 and 40. Like I have 50 over, like it's like that meme where you'd be like working at a job, what have you, with 50 year old friends. Like you get to work and you'd be like, hey, just glad it's how was your weekend? That is literally my life. Like all of my friends are old. Yeah. And when I'm at work, most of the time, my work friends older than me, like you said, but then there are other times where like, if there are younger coworkers, they'll think I'm the same age as them. So they'll want to be friends with me. And then I got to be like, yeah, I'm 26 going on 27. So <laughs> I don't know what it's like. Um, I'm sure it is a bummer that you can't get into a bar because you're not 21 yet. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I think, um, and you know what's been interesting to me is that as an adult, I've had to I've had to reevaluate a lot of my friendships because I realized, and this has been really hard for me, is I realized that not everybody has the same definition of friendship. Yep. And that has thrown me for a loop. Because to me, if you're close friends with someone, you know what I mean? Like really friends. I expect that you're going to like pick up an actual phone and you're going to talk to them on occasion. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I also think that if you're actually, you have an actual friendship with someone, not like an associate, but like a true friend, like I shouldn't learn about your life updates on Facebook. Like, that and, and that that will that is the first thing the quickest way to have me question in a friendship is for me to get on Facebook and see that like a major life update has happened to you and that's how I'm finding out I'm like well clearly we're not that we're not close. close right and it's like oh go ahead I was just gonna say that like you know I'm the type that I'm going to call and check with you every couple of weeks. You know what I mean? Just, hey, how are you? You know, and don't get me wrong. I get that we're all incredibly busy. Like I, I work, I have a business, I have a podcast. Like I, I have so much going on, but I feel like I'm going to like check in on you like every now and again, because um, I just need to know, like, I need to make sure that like you're okay. There's not a major life update that I missed. But I realized that that's not most people's definitions of, of friendship. Yeah. Much more surface level than that, which is shocking to me. Especially guys. Yeah. yeah. Been- friendship guys, annoying. Don't even, like, they're cool for a minute, 
right? But you can't, the, the, the same sort of emotional depth that you can go into with your friendships with other women is not the same with your friendships with other men because men don't see, as, I mean, just in my experience, don't see friendship the same way. Don't see it as talking on the phone for hours and, mm-hmm. you know, talking about really deep stuff about themselves, like deep emotional feelings or their sort of struggles. Like if they do, that's like their one best friend. But like for the rest of their friendships, it's very like, you know, every few days, maybe every few weeks, they might call me like, hey, you still alive? Okay, good. I'm still alive too. <laughs> like, you know what? I actually saw like some research on that recently. And they were, it was at a conference, a little virtual conference I went to. And they were talking about like women in the workplace and networking. And they were saying how like women do much better like their networking relationships, I guess, kind of like produce more fruit because when they talk to other women, um, they tend to actually talk when men's relationships are usually more centered around doing things. So let's yeah. go to the bar, let's go to the gym, let's go play basketball. And yeah. women's relationships are actually, you know, talking and how are you? What, what are you doing? What are you up to? And those relationships have tend to fare better during quarantine, which was what she said. Um, the men's relationships because obviously you can't go do anything right now so the relationships haven't haven't kind of stood the test of this time but women's relationships have because we're used to like you said calling someone on the phone and speaking to them for hours that's just what women do you know so not I, I do think that there's truth to that I will say that there are exceptions obviously I do have yeah. I have a really good male friend who um you know, we can get on the phone and we can chat and it's like, you know, what's new with you? What's new with me? Uh, But I do think that's the exception and probably not the rule. Well, yeah, I I definitely think there are exceptions, but I also think that like, it just really depends on how important they view in their life. I think that women are a lot more open to having that closeness with other people. Whereas I think men, they're a lot more guarded as to who they share that closeness with. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. And I, and I think that's true. But, you know, in my experience, when I like talked about like surface level friendships, like I have way more like female or women, lady friends and associates than I do men. And I've noticed that same sort of issue of, like with women where I think it's just an age thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're just like, you think that like, if I text you like once a month and you know what I mean? And we're fake and we chat every now and again on Facebook, like that's a friendship to me. Like that's not a friendship. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's something, but I don't know if it's a friendship. Like, I feel like I should be more intimately familiar with what's going on in your life. And like I said, I don't think that means you have to talk every day or even every week. But like if more than two or three life updates happen and, you know, I find out through Facebook, I'm like, "Mm, I don't think we're we're really close. Yeah, I definitely agree. You're not that close if your friends aren't updating you about things going on with them, Um, especially if like you call beforehand before they announced it on Mm -hmm. social media. And they still didn't say anything to you about it. Yeah. That's how you know you're not that close. That's true. I do think it's, it, it, some of it has to do with age because like I have a cousin who like I'm super close with. We've been close all our lives and she hates talking on the phone. Like she, <laughs> she, she will tell you, do not call me, like text me, like whatever you need to say to me, you can text me. 
And I'm like, why? Like, I want to hear your voice. Like, I want to like hear like the inflect. Like, literally, I called you today, Trinisha, or no, you called me and I answered, and you said, "Are you okay?" Because like you heard something in my voice that made you go, mm, "Are you okay, girl?" It, it just happened to be that I was laying down, so my voice was a little bit raspy. I was fine though, but you would have never caught that through a text. You know no, what I mean? Catch it, yeah. That, so that's amazing to me that like, and I do think that an element of closeness in our relationships is lost when you don't pick up the phone and call people. Yeah, I agree. Maybe we should all just go back to letter writing. <laughs> That'll be better for everybody. No, because that's all it takes is, is letter writing. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, it's a little more socially acceptable to write long letters than it is to write long text because people hate you if you have long paragraphs of text. <laughs> That's true. I think, like I said, I think texting, because texting is definitely my primary means of communication. However, I do think that like we all need to pick up the phone every once in a while a little bit more, uh, especially our generation, because I feel like we're just not really good at that. But like I said, you miss so much in the communication through text and a lot of things get misconstrued as well you know what I mean yeah I know too because um there are definitely times where like people be texting me stuff and like one time even my my roommate she texted me something I thought she had an attitude because though because of the way I read the text so I texted her back something snarky and then she called me she was like what's up like why are you acting like that and I was like oh girl my bad I read that wrong like (laughs) I read that in a totally different tone. And I think communication is so important to friendship, you know, to nurturing friendships. And if like, and I feel like we don't know how to do that. Like, I feel like something's missing with our age group, you know, I don't want to say our generation, but yeah, maybe our generation is missing something when it comes to communication and friendships. Probably because we all grew up watching those horrible TV shows and movies that told us that our friends are only there for cool stuff and then to help pick us up when we're down because we're the main character of every story. <laughs> That's what, what's that movie you were telling me about? Um, oh, on Everything I Am, let me go ahead and tell you about this movie. It is called, um, let me make sure I have that title right because I think it's called Something Borrowed. I hate that movie. That movie <laughs> is horrible. Everyone in that movie is terrible. Nobody knows what they're doing. Something, yeah, it's called Something Borrowed. And it's a movie about how to be a terrible friend, how to be a terrible partner, okay? And yeah, she borrows something. It's her friend's fiance. That's what she borrows, her friend's fiance. The whole movie is about this girl. She's like, you know, this stereotypical, oh, I'm a mousy brown-haired girl and nobody knows that I'm beautiful and I don't know that I'm beautiful, you know, until a man tells her that she's beautiful, suddenly she has confidence. Because God forbid she figured that out on her own. And really, if she don't know she's beautiful, that's on her. You a grown woman. You didn't have ample time to figure it out. If you can't figure it out, it wasn't it wasn't meant for you. It wasn't meant for you. Go ahead and hang the coat up. <laughs> but I feel like that's like the that's the plot of so many rom-coms. So, so were you surprised? Yeah. It's so annoying. It's like, oh, I don't know that I'm beautiful. I'm just a naturally kind person, but I don't know how to stand up for myself until a man made me feel powerful with his penis. I mean, love. <laughs> 
Because love. Okay, so what did the movie say about friendships that you didn't like? So here's what happens. She meets this guy in the beginning of the movie. Um, I think his name's like Dexter, Dex, whatever, something stupid. And <laughs> she thinks he's hot. And her best friend, like this is her like close best friend. Like they've been childhood best friends and everything. Her best friend's like, oh, you should go talk to him. And she was like, what? That guy? No, I can't. He would never be interested in me. I'm not even going to do it. You know what? It's totally fine. And their best friend was like, if you don't, I will. You know, she gave her a fair warning. And then the girl's like, no, go ahead. It's totally fine. So the best friend does what she said she was going to do. She slides in that man's face, in his DMs. <laughs> she put that thing on him. Next thing you know, it's two years later and they're engaged to be married. And now... The friend, the main girl, she's mad and she's a little resentful. She's just like, I can't believe she's engaged to my crush. But, sorry, let me not cut. I, <laughs> it made me so angry that she had the nerve, the audacity to still be lusting after this man. After two years? After two years. And he's with your best friend. Girl, if you don't let it go... Love yourself, please. Because if he was really a man worth his caliber, he would have saw something special in you the first time he met. Because technically, he met the both of them at the same time. But because the friend was more confident, he was into the confident friend, as is what happens with all relationships. You tend to be attracted to the person that's more confident and that's confidently approaching you. That's just how it works, okay? Nobody has time for the guessing games. So anyways... Um, I guess the best friend, she's not giving the main man a lot of attention because she's busy doing hot girl shit and he's just being all upset, whatever. But here come the mousy brown hair girl. Oh, Dex, is that what you like? I'll help you. Oh, you want to have conversation? Ha ha ha. I'll laugh at all your crappy jokes. I'll actually care about you. And then next thing you know, she got set up on a date. He decided that he was going to eat dinner with her because he just cares so much. And then they have sex. And then they have an affair. And then eventually it gets closer to the wedding. And the night, like, I want to say, like, two or three nights before the wedding. And they're all, like, in some super cool summer house in Vermont. Whatever. They end up finding out about the affair. And the best friend, rightfully so, is pissed off at her. Now, the movie definitely tries to make it seem better by saying, oh, well, the best friend was sleeping with his best friend the whole time. And she's pregnant by his best friend. So, you know, don't feel sorry for her. And it's like, no. No, you should still feel sorry for her because even if she wasn't, that's still messed up because the main girl had no idea that the best friend was cheating on her fiance. She didn't know that. All she knew was that the fiance, that, you know, her best friend wasn't giving the fiance a lot of attention. So she decided to be a cleanup woman. And that movie ends with, oh, it's okay. Their friendship is over because she, she still got the man. So terrible movie. <laughs> I feel like I didn't explain that right. First of all, now I have to go watch this movie. Like, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to find this movie so I can watch it. Because <laughs> I feel like that was the best, like, plot summary that I've ever heard. <laughs> but I mean, terrible. But, like, so you think that the way that, like, women's friendships are portrayed in movies, like, you think that, like, has a real world effect on, like, how we do our friendships? Most definitely, because... Time and time again, they reinforce that it's okay to, like, you know, be a bad friend if it's for true love. It's okay to blow off your friends if you're going to get some dick. Like, it's okay <laughs> as long as you get the man. Mm -hmm. As long as he says he loves you. 
suddenly all the crappy things you were doing before were totally justified in the name of love. And really, I just think that's dumb. I just think that's really dumb. Like, great example, Sex in the City. Everybody loves that show. That show used to be applauded for being so progressive. Me and my roommate, we went back and watched the entire series last summer because we were bored and it was quarantine. And we realized Carrie Bradshaw is a horrible friend. She never cares about what her friends are going through. She doesn't care about any of their situations. She always shows up to their morning breakfast, you know, their daily breakfast and talks about her man issues and wham, 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 me and men and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and there are multiple times where she blows off her friends to go get some dick. And it's not even good. It's not even like worthwhile. It's not even like men that respect her. It's like, you know, her main love interest in that show is Mr. Big. And Mr. Right. Big is so disrespectful. Oh, my <laughs> God. How, how? How are you still in love with him? <laughs> I mean, every chance ever that you every chance ever that where you could have like made a good decision he just treated her like a like a dirty secret like he was ashamed of her almost that's true that's and true she still, and she was still just fine to her friends and when her one friend the one friend that got sent miranda uh-huh. was getting mad at her and was like i'm so sick of this mr big stuff like <laughs> can you stop she was getting mad at miranda like miranda you never support me no carrie you're an idiot that's the problem you're an idiot like <laughs> i got beef I got so beef. what i hear is that you need to stop watching television <laughs> no because i wanted to see how dumb she got and it turns out she gets super dumb. I watched the Sex and the City movies. Big mistake. Extra dumb in those movies. <laughs> no, you know, okay, so now you're going to make me go back and watch it, like, with that lens. Because, like, I watch, I watch the movies, and I watch, like, bits and pieces of the series. I do know that, like, she doesn't make, she does not have good decision-making skills. Like, that much is clear. But now I have to, like, go back and rewatch it with this friendship lens, though, and see yeah. how strong the friendships really are. I do, I do, like, distinctly remember, like, some episodes where I was like, these friendships aren't that strong. Like, I think, like, Miranda, like, moved to, like, Brooklyn. I don't know. She moved yeah. like, one bur- borough, and then she moved to another borough, and it was, like, she was, like, so concerned. Like, the, the friendships were deteriorating because she moved to a different neighborhood and i was like yeah. well the friendship couldn't have been that strong that's all it took to to break it yeah it's very classist very classist because they were like oh you live in brooklyn nobody wants to hang out there <laughs> <laughs> that's really how they treat her oh brooklyn i'm sorry miranda but you have to understand the boundaries Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely think that it that, that show maybe, maybe doesn't say as good things about women friendships as we want to make it seem as we want to Yeah. And she definitely looked down. Carrie definitely looked down on all of her friendships. She like I'm pretty sure she thought she was like the best one out of all her friends. Because like for Samantha, first of all, I love Samantha. Samantha is the best example of sex positivity I've ever seen in the show. You know, I mean she does have some problematic she does have some problematic things going on with her in certain episodes, but she's very like, she's consistent. She's consistent. And guess what? She always prioritizes her friendships. She will hop off the dick to go console you. I've seen it. She does it. Whereas Carrie, she would, she would just blow you off. Carrie definitely thinks that she's the more sensible one compared to Samantha. Like she thinks she's like fun, sexy, where she thinks Samantha is more like slutty, sexy. Mm -hmm. And then with Charlotte, she can't like they all, well, I mean, 
they all kind of make jabs at Charlotte at one point, but I definitely think Carrie thinks of herself as like more modern than Charlotte because Charlotte has very traditional views on, you know, love, relationships, and sex. And then when it comes to Miranda, she definitely compares herself as being more feminine than Miranda and, you know, having an easier go at dating than Miranda because Miranda does have a hard time, you know, with relationships sometimes. But I feel like the reasons why she has difficulties are valid, whereas the reasons why... Carrie has difficulties because she's an idiot. So, so sum up your your thoughts on on women friendships in general. I honestly think that women friendships are very complex because they can be so many things at different times of the friendship. There are there are going to be points in the friendship where it seems like you guys can't stand each other. There are going to be points in the friendships where, you know, there might be some sort of betrayal. But I think overall, women friendships tend to be very resilient. And I think that show was able to display that very well. That regardless of all the troubles they went through, and any show and movie kind of shows that, that women friendships are resilient. And it doesn't matter how badly you abuse the friendship or neglect them, they're always going to be there for you because they're your friend. And that's just how much they value friendships. Ooh, okay. Well, you said something that I got to dig into. And I feel like this is a good segue into like another subtopic um when do you know that like our relationship is unhealthy because you were like no matter how much you abuse the friendship like oh no I my ears didn't like that because I will I'll snip snip cut the cut bitch off quick (laughs) and maybe that isn't a healthy mindset to have about things but I try to make sure that all of my relationships are healthy and that they're and that they're they're equally beneficial, you know what I mean? Because if I'm like calling, if I'm the one picking up the phone constantly doing the calling, then I start to feel some kind of way about that. And I definitely get resentful and I start to reevaluate the friendship or the, whatever relationship it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can be a one way street. It definitely has to be has to be two people equally trying to, to make the friendship happen or relationship happen. I think sometimes it is hard for people to see it when it's when the friendship's turning sour, though, um, at least for me, for a long time, it was because I I'm someone that gives people multiple chances, even if I get mad at them, I will still pop up later like it's OK, it's fine, you know, but really it's not fine. You know, like I'm still like stewing on it just a little bit, but I I always tell myself, well, I rather preserve the friendship than to be mad about this one thing. But after a while, you start to notice that this one thing becomes multiple one things. Right. And now it's a pattern. And I feel like once you notice that there is a pattern in the friendship where, you know, a certain need of yours is being neglected. Um, I think that's when you know it's an unhealthy friendship at that point. And you ha- you can either try to fix it or you can just cut it loose. Well, and that's another thing that I think that, like, our generation lacks. And that's, like, the ability to have, like, confrontational conversations. Because I feel like, and I feel like the one thing that makes me really excited about our friendship and makes me know that it's going to be a long-lasting friendship is that I feel like you and I can have difficult conversations with one another. And we'd be like, okay, hmm. All right, I didn't see it like that, but okay, you know what I mean? And then we yeah. can kind of have like a meeting of the minds. But I think that that's, I don't know, like I, I feel like I can't, I don't feel like I can have difficult conversations with all of the people I consider friends. And that definitely tells me whether or not the relationship is as deep or as, you know, as sturdy and as strong as I think it is. Um, 
but I think that that's an important part of the relationship relationships is to say like, hey, there's a conflict here. You know what I mean? Your, my expectations and your expectations aren't meeting up. And, you know, I think that we need to do something about it. And I think, you know, the result of that conversation de- definitely tells me whether or not we should continue to be friends at the same level that I consider us to be friends now. But I think that like we have an issue having those types of conversations. I think we just rather ghost people or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, just not deal with it. Right, just not deal with it and to have those tough conversations with people. Yeah, I definitely think that, um, I don't want to say our generation, but I think our age group, because like with our parents' generation, actually it is our generation, with our parents' (laughs) generation, it was you're not meeting as many new people at once, right? So you kind of have to hold on to the same friends to a certain degree because you're not going to meet anyone else. Like our parents, they weren't moving around to different places every few years like our generation does, right? Right. So they're they're a lot more tied down and rooted and you're going to have to see the same people all the time. You know, there's there's not a lot of opportunities meeting people, like I said earlier. And I think that our parents' generation, they were getting married off a lot sooner. So it became more natural to kind of like put your friendships on the back burner to focus on your family, I would think, Mm -hmm. just from what I've observed. Yeah. And then like with our generation, that's a little bit more like free and a little more less tied down. Um, You know, why would you stay with a difficult friendship or something complicated has happened when you could just, you know, go on the internet, meet new friends, move to a new place. That's just like that. The point. So you you think that people in our age range and our age group, they tend to look at friendships as more disposable. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say to look at it as more disposable, but I definitely think because I I feel like there's still there's still a need for it, but I definitely think that you know, if you have more options, it's a little bit more tempting to go with those other options. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not because they just think that the friendship itself is disposable. It's more of like that situation. Like if they don't, if they don't have the ability to confront that situation head on, then why would you, when you can just start over? But so you think the same is true for like uh, romantic relationships as well? I definitely think so. Um, especially because we are in the like self-love era, right? Where everybody was like self-love, self-love, respect yourself, love yourself. Because, you know, we might've grown up seeing our parents or certain older family members be in disrespectful relationships long-term. And so why, if you see the first hint of trouble, you might, I mean, I feel like there's some sort of secondhand trauma. If you haven't experienced it personally, but you were in the presence of it, Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of triggering where it makes you feel like, well, why do I want to be involved with this person? What if they end up just like so and so? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like, and again, it's not so much that they didn't value that relationship, you know, and just thought, oh, well, this is just disposable. It's more of like, okay, I don't know if I can deal with this long term and I don't know if I can like handle this sort of situation. And here, here I have all these other opportunities in front of me to just start over. No, that's a real story. And I, and I definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. I think so in the relationships that you have with your family, with your friends, you know, your romantic relationships, like what's one thing that you think you could get, get better at or one thing you hope to like improve at? I feel like I need to be able to recognize when someone's intentions aren't good towards me Mm. and not just, you know, believe everything they say, because I really, 
I really do believe people at a face value sometimes. Um, it's either, and it goes so extreme for me because it's either I get really paranoid and I second guess everything someone's saying and doing to me or in front of me, whatever, but, or then, or then I get to the point where I just blindly believe them because I want to believe them because not believing them would make me even sadder than what I am. So I'd much rather just continue lying to myself. It's super deep. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the one thing I, I want to get better at and something I'm actively working towards is to give the people in my life more grace. Um, I have like really high standards, which you know, you've been my friend long enough to know that I have incredibly high standards for everyone in my life, like all of our friendships. And I do recognize at times that I'm like, okay, Brianna, like that's a little too much. Like you have to give people grace and you have to, you have to meet people where they're, where they're at. Um, but I do think that I have really high expectations for my friendships, really high expectations for the people in my life, like my family members, all, everyone, you know what I mean? And I have like a, a well-defined vision of what the relationship sh- sh- should look like. And when it doesn't meet that expectation, I tend to get a little like irritable, like, oh, but that's something I've been really actively working towards because I don't think you always get to choose the conditions in which you have people in your life. Um, and you have to respect that people see things differently from you and that your vision of a relationship or of a friendship of how it should work and function isn't always their version of it. And I think that if you care about someone and you, you love them, that you try to meet them in the middle. And so that's one of the things that I've been actively, actively working on. I like that. How do you feel like you apply that to your romantic relationship if you feel comfortable talking about that? Girl, um, I, work in progress. <laughs> it's, it's a constant work in progress, I think. <laughs> but you do it because you love them. Yeah, that's true. Nice. <laughs> you have that love there. And you're still holding them to a higher standard because you're not allowing anything to slide you know, I'm causing any buildup. Yeah, I will say, though, that I think it's easier to do that with some relationships than it is to do that with others. Yeah. I think good friendships are friendships that kind of feed you spiritually. Mm. I think they're friendships that, like, there doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's holding you every time you're crying. It could just be someone that makes you feel better when you talk to them, you know, that you you know that anytime you hang out with that person, they're going to be attentive to you and your needs and they're going to talk to you and you're going to talk to them. They're not going to blow you off. They're going to make sure that like, hey, are you having fun? Because I'm also having fun. Like we're both having fun together. Um, I think they're just people that just genuinely care and they don't have to get anything from you to care about you. No, that's, that's beautiful. And I think if, if I only had like one final thought to like leave with our listeners is just to, to call and check on somebody that you call a friend. Because um, I think that a friendship doesn't work if someone, if your friend is struggling and they feel like they don't have anyone to talk to or they're going through things and they haven't heard from you in weeks. I don't, you know, no friendship, I feel like can sustain that. You know what I mean? So I feel like you have to be, you have to be intentional. You have to be mindful 
about checking in with people, checking in on their mental health. That's one of the things that I've tried to do is just check on people. You know what I mean? And just let them know that I'm here. It doesn't have, it doesn't mean that we have to have a long conversation every time we talk. It doesn't mean it has to be on the phone every time, but I need people to know. And I need the people in my life to understand that I'm always available to them in their time of need, not just when it's convenient for me. And that, you know, that part of maintaining and nurturing the relationship means that I'm going to be checking in on them regularly to make sure that they're okay. Very well said. I like that. And that on that.